All right, welcome in, welcome back to the Running Hoops Podcast, brought to you by Super Chicks, the home of the last true chicken sandwich. If you're looking for good game day food, look no further than Super Chicks. They've got a ton of great chicken sandwich options and appetizers for all your game day eating needs. Visit their website online for their menu and locations at superchicks.com. And remember, it's Chicks with an X. On this episode, we've got some breaking and surprising roster news for the running Utes that has popped up seemingly out of nowhere. And 2024 running Utes target Brooks Barr, a 6'4 combo guard out of Keller, Texas, joins the podcast to recap his visit to Utah last week and discuss what's next for him in his recruitment. I will have that and much more, but first... I wanted to remind you that you could follow the podcast over on Twitter slash X at Running Hoops. You can rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Doing that would be much appreciated. And it would also be appreciated if you would support the podcast over on Venmo at Running Hoops. Doing that helps our ability to get Utah players on the show. All right, well, let's get right to it about that 13th scholarship. I tweeted out not long ago that Utah and freshman forward Karahan Ifiolu appear to have parted ways. There were rumblings on Friday that something may be going on, and by Saturday, he had been removed from the UtahUtes.com website, and for his part, he has scrubbed his social media of any Utah references, including his commitment post, and everything else related to the Utes that he posted once he had arrived in Salt Lake City. He was at FanFest, he was participating in practices, and so obviously this comes as a pretty big surprise, and again, seemingly out of nowhere, and the timing could not have been worse. The fall semester has already started, the portal has pretty much dried up, and presumably any of the other players that they may have been looking at for that 13th scholarship while they were in the process of recruiting Karahan have either gone elsewhere or made other decisions. Now, clearly, there is a story here, and we are likely never going to get the details of it. And like I said, it puts Utah in a bit of a tough spot here, heading into the season, a man down, and with Davon Smith's waiver up in the air. So it's obviously not great news, especially when you consider the positive momentum that it seemed like the program was kind of building through the summer. I don't think that momentum necessarily goes away. It's just that, you know, here's a guy that they were planning on having, they're not going to have him. And so what does that mean, not only for the upcoming season, but for the long term here with the running Utes? Well, if they try to fill that spot, And I have no idea if they're going to try to fill that spot. But if they did, they would have to get somebody in by October 16th, which is when the second fall semester starts. And that would be less than a month from the opener against Eastern Washington. And I don't know how all of that works in terms of immediate eligibility or ability to play right away. Like, I just, I'm not super familiar with what that person or player would have to do in order to get that, you know, eligibility right away. And then, of course, there are the issues with that player, you know, getting up to speed on 
the offensive system, fitting in with the guys, getting adjusted to school, getting to Salt Lake, all of that stuff. So obviously a lot to think about on that front. Another thing to consider, right? All eyes are now focused on Davon Smith's waiver and there's no timetable for that. There was some big news this week in football with a wide receiver from North Carolina who seemingly had a good case and had the support of the previous two schools he transferred from, and his waiver just got denied for the entire season. He was ruled ineligible for this football season. So I would say that that denial in another sport, in another circumstance, certainly doesn't exactly fall under the good news umbrella. And so when you take these two things Together, now all of a sudden, you're talking about not only not having a a 13th guy, but potentially, and again, it's potentially, not having Davon Smith as well. And so, really what I think it means is, is that they better have hit on some of these other transfers that are coming in. Now, I know what you're thinking. Andrew, give me something positive out of this situation. Spin it for me. Give me the spin zone. Well, The one thing I will say in terms of positive spin, and again, I'm admitting fully in advance here that this is spin 100%, is, you know, they've got guys in place that can play his position, like Jake Wallin, like Luka Tarlac, and even a Ben Carlson, who by all accounts has made huge strides this offseason. Now, we don't know what that means, and we're not going to know what that means until we see all of these guys on the court. We're not going to see that still for another two months almost. It also gives them, again, if we're being positive here, it also gives them portal flexibility for, say, a mid-year transfer or a transfer in at the end of next season heading into the Big 12, right, where they know they're going to have at least this spot. Whereas before, all we knew was that they had one known available scholarship for the upcoming season. So, you know, I think those are the ways that you would positively spin this if you needed to. The other thing I'll say here is that they do have more playable depth on this roster than they had last year and than they had before Karahan committed. And this roster, I think, legitimately goes at least nine deep, if not ten, which is typically only as far as most teams are going to go anyway, especially once they get into conference play, right? So Erickson, Bajma, Lovering, and others, they were all playing ahead of Karahan anyway. And so what it means for guys like Jake Wallin and guys like Luka Tarlac is that they now have an opportunity to take those minutes and run with them. Now, if we want to look at the negative side, It's obviously not a great look for the program. You know, you bring this guy in, there's a lot of fanfare, there's a lot of excitement. Craig's given interviews talking about him. He's, um, you know, well aware of the scuttlebutt, as he referred to it, around not using the 13th scholarship his first two years at Utah. And now it looks like they're in prime position to not use that scholarship once again. And so, you know, the folks who were kind of down on Craig to begin with are just going to use this as another arrow in their quiver against him. And, you know, look, I really don't think that this particular situation can be placed at Craig's feet. And it's certainly not a situation of 
having a 13th scholarship available and electing not to use it. I, I don't think that's what's going on here. But, you know, when you're the man in charge, these things tend to get placed at your feet. And there are going to be fans that are just going to really be down on Craig more because of this and because of the perceived lack of talent in the program, both returning and transferring in, even though, as I discussed on the podcast with Isaac Trotter last week, that that just isn't the case. This is a more talented team than Craig Smith has had at Utah with or without Carhan. So again, not a good situation to be in. Suboptimal, as Josh Newman might say. And I'm guessing that we're not going to hear anything from the program on this situation, potentially at all, but certainly not until September 26th, which is when practice starts. We're just two weeks away from that. And you're going to begin to see from the podcast on Twitter uh, slash X that we're going to do a countdown with player numbers like we did last year. And look, we're closing in on 50 days until the season starts. So it's going to be interesting to see where things go from here, what they say, if anything, and how this roster comes together without this player and potentially without anybody else being added to it. Obviously, as more information comes out, I will get it to you as I am able and will certainly be here for you on the podcast to discuss any happenings as well. If you have any questions or you just want to vent at me, hit me up at Running Hoops on Twitter slash X. All right, Brooks Barr was in attendance for Utah's big-time victory over Florida on opening night. We will get his thoughts on that and his visit with the running Utes, and we will do all that right after these words from one of our sponsors. Hey, everyone. I don't know if this is happening to you yet, but my, my daughters keep bugging my wife and I to get out the fall decorations, despite the fact that it's still been in the 80s and 90s quite a bit recently. However... It's starting to get a little bit chillier at night, which means we're closing in on pullover season. And what do you need the most during pullover season? Well, besides a pullover, a stylish t-shirt to wear underneath said pullover. And that is where FlyFit Tees comes in. With a blend of ring-spun cotton and polyester, it's the perfect tee for your end-of-summer outing or to wear under that pullover as the weather cools off. Now, listeners of this podcast can get 30% off their first order by using the promo code RUNNINHOOPS at checkout or by going directly to flyfittees.com slash RUNNINHOOPS. This is a great way to help out the podcast and get yourself a great t-shirt in the process. That website again, flyfittees.com slash RUNNINHOOPS. Okay, so for those who may not know much about Brooks Barr, my next guest... I wanted to share the following scouting report with you from Brandon Jenkins at 24-7 Sports, who you can follow on Twitter slash X at bjenkins247. He does a great job with talking to recruits kind of throughout their process, getting updates on, you know, their visits, how they went, and what they're thinking about each school that they're looking at. And so for Brooks Barr, he has posted the following scouting report. Quote, Barr is a sturdy-built, skilled guard with a tremendous feel for the game. While he does not consistently blow by defenders, Barr is elite at changing speeds. He plays angles well to find ways to get two feet in the paint. He's a tremendous facilitator, off-penetration, 
and does a great job of finding his teammates in the drive and draw and kick game. He was one of the best in the Under Armour Association at making the assist. Whether it's about himself or others, a lot of his creation is due to his strong build. He is physical on his attack and can overpower smaller defenders to create scoring opportunities from all three levels of the floor. Although he is confident and a tremendous playmaker running the point, Barr has the mindset of a scorer and is more of a combo guard. He is an efficient shot taker and maker with a great understanding of how to get his bread and butter. Additionally, he shows poise when getting to his in-between game as he has a soft touch with his translatable floater game and he can knock down the three-point jumper with regularity. So that gives you an idea of who Brooks is on the court and why, obviously, Utah is looking at him. And, of course, he's got some of those features that typical Craig Smith guys have. And so I just wanted to share that with you before bringing Brooks on to give you just a little bit better idea of who this player is and why Utah's looking at him. And so without any additional ado, here is my interview with Brooks Barr. All right, my next guest just completed a visit to the University of Utah. He is a three-star recruit, currently ranked 170 on the 24-7 sports composite rankings for the class of 2024 and 121 nationally. He's got offers from the likes of USC, Wake Forest, BYU, Oklahoma State, and of course, Utah. He is a combo guard out of the state of Texas, Brooks Barr. Brooks, how are you? Thank you for joining me. Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, super excited to be on here and uh, be able to talk Utah, Utah Hoops. So really appreciate you for having me. All right, so Brooks, before we get into your visit and your game, the number one question that all Utah fans ask me is if you're related to former Utah defensive end, Brooks Barr, and if so, how are you related to him? Yeah, so I am related. Um, I was named after him. That's actually my uncle, my dad's brother. So we uh, we see Brooks all the time. So super, super close family relatives for sure. All right. Well, let's get into you know why everybody's listening and what they want to know, which is how did your visit go last week with Utah? Yeah, it was it was awesome. Got to be there for the football game, which was Florida, and then was there all day, um, all day Friday. And then left Saturday around noon and got to be with the team a lot. We, we had uh, like a team dinner at uh, Coach Smith's house, which was super awesome. Um, watched a ton of film with the, with the coaching staff. Got to watch the team lift and then work out, uh, which I love, which I love to watch. And it just felt like the family, the family environment and the atmosphere it felt, I could just, I could really feel that while on my visit. Um, and I could really just envision myself playing under Coach Smith. And Burgess loved everyone on staff. Loved uh, getting to hear from dudes like Tyler Larson, who they they just picked up uh, from the from the Warriors, from from the G League and player development over there. And dudes like Matt Lopez, who were, were coming from Arkansas, and getting to talk to them. Just great dudes that know know the game a ton. And so got to got to hear a lot about that. Um, and then obviously love love the area and in Salt Lake. I have a ton of family close up there, so super awesome. And I think Jake. Wallin was your host, is that right? Yeah, he was my host. Uh, we're family friends, uh, grew up together, so really close with him. What did you think of the environment at Rice Eccles Stadium for the football game? It was awesome. It was it was awesome to get a uh, be there. Like I mean, the first play of the game, 
with that super long touchdown. That was awesome. Just the environment was crazy. Did you guys sit with the Muss, or did you did they have the basketball team somewhere else? Um, we were we sat. It was close, like above the fifty yard line, but we were, we were pretty close to the field. Got to be down there um, on the field pregame, so it was fun. Nice. That's awesome. So, I mean, obviously, that's probably the highlight of the visit, but did you get to do anything else that was fun on the visit, or was it just, after that, it was just kind of film and meeting with players and coaches and all that good stuff? I mean, the whole the whole thing was fun to me. I think the most fun part for me was just talking basketball. Uh, it was super fun to uh, do stuff with the players um, and with Jake, and then obviously he with the team and get, get to be around them and see See what they're like. Great dudes. Great, great atmosphere for sure. And what was your impression of the culture that Craig Smith is building there at Utah? Yeah, like like I was saying, it's like a family. Felt like a family the whole time. And the coaches were super great dudes. Trust those dudes a ton. And how they envisioned me as being a part of their program and helping them get to the next level. Um, I love uh, Coach Smith's aspirations. Um, obviously, any coach wants to be really good, but I really feel like. Utah's just going to take that next step for his third year, I think. I mean, he's done he's done winning at every place he's been in, so I really, really trust him. What have the coaches told you in terms of how they see you fitting in at Utah and kind of what your role might be if you were to go to the Utes? Yeah, um, they, they, I mean, obviously they haven't promised me anything, but they like like my frame and my, my versatility, being able to play on the ball and off the ball. So i um, talked a lot about being able to come off ball screens and, and make plays for, for shooters and then getting, getting my shot too. So being like a, a key part of the offense then the, and the defense um, with me, I like to play super hard, take charge and stuff like that. And so for fans who may not know very much about your game, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, kind of your style of play and how you, how you like to, to get after it? Yeah, for me, I, I think I, uh, I'm able to get to the paint. Just kind of get around my defender using my strength, um, have some wiggle to my game. Then able to score for sure, but also either get a drop off to the big or find a shooter um, for three at something that I think I do pretty well. And I think on the defensive end, just kind of doing some dirty work stuff, taking charges, diving for loose balls. Every time I'm on the court, trying to, trying to play super hard, kind of send a statement to the other team and other players. So try, try and play with some confidence and moxie stuff, stuff like that. And is there an area of your game that you really want to try to improve on before you get to college? For sure. I, I definitely feel like uh, I can take my athleticism to a, to a whole nother level, which I think will really help me. But yeah. So big picture, you've released your top eight. You've got some more visits lined up over the next few weeks or months. What is your timetable, you know, for a decision and are you thinking that you want to decide before your senior season starts? Or, you know, when might we see a top three or top four? You just kind of where are you with that process? Yeah, I definitely want to uh, try and decide before, before the senior season. Um, probably looking at early November, maybe maybe late October, but hopefully somewhere in that time frame. What are you looking for in a school to play at at the next level? Yeah, um, number one, I really want to have a a great relationship with the coaching staff. Uh, trust them, and, and they they believe in me to uh, to help them win. Want I want to find out a place that really sees me for my game, understands how I play and how I can be beneficial to the team. And then player development's a big piece too. I want to play um, as long as I can. So 
going to a place that really develops players and can get them to the next level. And then definitely looking for a place that has a fan base that is big about basketball, want to play um, at the highest level in front of a lot of people. So um, that's important too. With a school like Utah, how does the move to the Big 12 help their chances just knowing that you're going to get to play a few more games kind of within striking distance of where you grew up? I mean, I, I kind of look at it as uh, Utah gets to play against some of the best teams in the country. It definitely is cool, though, that uh, some some close family and friends will be able to see me play. I wouldn't say it, it aids a lot into the, into the decision. Um, but it definitely is a cool aspect of it, for sure. I was going to say, I, I know that's also an advantage for like BYU and Oklahoma State, but I just figured we'd ignore that and just pretend like it wasn't. Uh, I got you. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'll, I'll let you go on this one. I, I know that you're listed as a 2024 recruit, but I think a lot of folks seem to be of the thought that you won't be on campus until 2026 because you might go on an LDS mission. Is that currently your plan, or where are you with that? Yeah, um, that's something that I feel like uh, I definitely will probably want want to do. Um, yeah, so, for sure. All right, well, fans can follow you on Twitter, at BrooksBar3. Brooks, thanks so much for joining me. Good luck with the uh, rest of your recruitment and decision, and uh, let's talk down the line. Thank you for having me. All right, my thanks to Brooks Barr for jumping on the podcast with me to recap his visit with the Running Utes. A couple of highlights from the interview for me. Talked about his good relationship with both Craig Smith and Chris Burgess and how he trusts them. He mentioned the family atmosphere and the culture that Craig is developing within the program here at Utah and how he could see himself playing at Utah. Incidentally, those two things are also a big part of what he's looking for in a program, so Utah definitely checks a lot of the boxes for him. He's looking to make a decision late October, early November, that kind of timetable, and it sounds like an LDS mission is certainly in the cards for him as well. He's got a few more visits lined up, but we will keep a close eye on what he does here as his recruitment into the fall continues. And again, fans can follow him on Twitter slash X at BrooksBar3. It never hurts to show these recruits some love on the social media. That is for sure. One item of Pac-12 schedule news to get to. This is per John Rothstein, Jeff Goodman, and pretty much anybody who comments on college basketball. Uh, Arizona and Florida Atlantic, the Florida Atlantic Owls of the Final Four last year have agreed on a neutral site game to be played in Las Vegas on December 23rd. So six of the Wildcats' 11 non-conference games will either be on the road or at neutral sites. So the Wildcats definitely challenging themselves in the non-conference schedule, looking to get that high net and Ken Palm rating. Their schedule is done. This FAU game would give them 11, but we'll wait until they formally release it to talk fully about it. But yeah, certainly a beefed up schedule for Tommy Lloyd and crew. All right, let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. Get in here. Look into these eyes and let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. All right, so just a couple of quick things on the football game this past Saturday and the one coming up this Saturday 
you know, last week I had Utah winning, I think, 27-21 or so, maybe 27-17 in other places. And Baylor, you know, covering that 7.5 to 8-point number, which in that situation was just perfect for Baylor to cover that higher line. And with no cam rising and with the QB situation being goofy, it was definitely a wins a win and they all count scenario. No question. So 2-0, two power five wins, fantastic. Which takes us to the Weber State game this upcoming weekend. This is going to be pretty quick. I think Utah wins this one 41-14. Everybody plays. The team gets ready in earnest for UCLA. If Cam Rising is ready, I'd love to see him get a series or two. But other than that, I suspect this is going to be a big Nate Johnson game. A game to get the running game really humming and, you know, padding some wide receiver stats that have been lacking, to say the least, so far this season. But yeah, I've got Utah rolling over Weber State. And then we start that nine-game slog through the Pac-12 conference. This has been Let Me Talk To You. Let me talk to you! All right, folks. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Running Hoops podcast. A little bit shorter this time. But I wanted to make sure I got that Karahan news out to you, as well as the Brooks Bar interview. Obviously, I will keep an eye on everything. And if it becomes necessary to get another episode out this week, I will do Just that. We've got a lot of really good stuff as we get ready for the season and hopefully some other interviews that we can line up. And speaking of the interviews that I already have done, if you haven't checked out that Isaac Trotter interview, I think a lot of you will really, really like that. It's a real in-depth look at this roster, which I think is more important than ever, given the news that I shared today. So please check that out if you haven't. Please give me a follow on Twitter, slash X, at Running Hoops. Please rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And of course, support the show and our NIL efforts over on Venmo at Running Hoops. But until next time, I'm Andrew Crowley. This is the Running Hoops Podcast. And as always, go Utes.